telling now the pastors, how are you? And I said, uh, well, I can hear me heart beating. Then it's going at different rates at different times. And so that's why you need a defibrillator. <laughs> but uh, I'm not here to sell anything. <laughs> I'm here to give something. <laughs> and, um, well, the Lord's given it, hasn't he? His word. And what a wonderful privilege it is to open God's word. And it was 2004 last time. We're, we're up here. And time flies. It's uh, been a while since we're in Bible College. 39 years or 40 years or something like that. And um, <clears throat> I, when I was going with my wife at the time the Davies were having to do with the Christians, then uh, they played cricket on, what's the day? Come on. Boxing Day. That's when they all got, the, the, the English people got together <laughs> and played cricket on that day. So, yeah, there's memories from a long time ago at youth quakes and things at Marysville and before the camps even started, wasn't it? Way, way back then. And so we have a lot of memories in Bible College days as well. He was, uh, we were there for two years crossing over that time. Well, it is a privilege to open God's Word, as I say, and let's turn to chapter 40 of the book of Isaiah. I was looking in the schedule here and your pastor asked for um, what the subject matter was going to be, and I see Pastor Zuf has got the S's as well. So we didn't concoct that, that's the way it worked out. So I praise the Lord, and uh, I don't think they cross over, just looking at, at those. I did ring Pastor Zuf, I say, where are you, where you, where you coming from? Um, he said, Old Testament. I said, not the book of Isaiah. <laughs> and so he's, he's, he's earlier in the, in the book. The book of Isaiah, chapter 40. And as we look at this passage, I pray that we will get a new perspective of God as we look at Isaiah chapter 40. Let's just read a few verses. We won't read the whole. We'll be going through it this morning. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith the Lord. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, I could preach on that one, and your pastor knows that I like prophecy. There's a lot in that verse that I just read. We just read there. But reading on the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And if he has spoken it, he will do it. And so, praise the Lord for his power. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all your blessings to us as your people. Thank you, Lord, for the presentation of Isaiah, of these words to us through, his, through the Holy Spirit. May they have new meaning this morning as we take a fresh look at some of the wonderful things about that Isaiah has penned about yourself. And may we be encouraged, enlightened, and enlivened from the word today. We ask and pray in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> in your mind, how do you envisage God? What is he like? 
What do you compare him to? You see, we're all going to meet him one day, and maybe sooner than we think. We don't know the day that we're going to meet him. But one day we're going to see him. That song we sing, face to face. How do you envisage God? (laughs) What do you compare him to? In Greenwich in England, they have measuring devices. In fact, the measuring devices that all measuring devices are are taken from. If you want a yard, that's English, that used to be Australian, (laughs) one yard, you go there and in a temperature-controlled room you have a, a yard piece of metal and it's controlled and it's exactly a yard. You see, you have to be within thousands or tens of thousands of an inch to get it right. How do you measure God? What is he like? And in this chapter, that's what Isaiah does. He compares him, the Lord, with things that we know. We were told that a a good teacher will take you from what you know to what you don't know. And that's what Isaiah is doing in chapter 40. So that we might see God as we compare him with the things around us. And really, he can't be compared. That's the whole point of of Isaiah 40. Your conception, my conception and understanding of God will influence and affect our entire life. The direction of our life, the motivations for what we do in life, the choices we make in life, our understanding of God will affect all these things. You see, if you you have a weak understanding of who God is and that you don't have to give an account to him one day, you'll live as you please. But remember, Ecclesiastes 12 tells us in chapter 11 too that We will see him. We will face him. We will give an account to him. So let's try this morning to gain an understanding of God by comparing him with things that we know. And this is what Isaiah does. First of all, he compares God with man, as it were, in verses 6 to 8. The voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is like grass and all its goodliness like the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So the first comparison with man. If I said man is mortal, God is immortal. If man is temporal, God is Eternal, now temporal in the sense that we had a beginning. If man is weak, God is strong. If man is visible, God is... And so you you use these comparisons. Our life truly is hung on a very thin thread. When you go through a heart operation or something of that nature, you sort of start thinking about that more seriously. And we should think of it all the time. Very thin thread. It can be taken in an instant. We're one heartbeat away from eternity. Our our life here is likened to the grass. In other portions of scripture that we we know, let's turn to one in James, chapter 4, 
in the New Testament and verse 14. James chapter 4, verse 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is, it, it is even a vapour that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. It is even a vapour that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Do you get fog here? You, you do get fog here. Okay, I do. <laughs> you go in a fog. And by we say at around 10 o'clock in Albury, if you're fortunate, between 10 and 11, it's burnt off. It's burnt off. It's gone. Life is like that. It's very brief. It's like a vapour. Even, even more so, a, a kettle on a, uh, a, a summer's morning. It doesn't get far out of the kettle before it's gone. And compared with eternity, life is so brief. It's like a vapour. It's like a wind in Job, Job chapter 7 and verses 6 and 7. It comes and it goes and it's gone. Now, I, I can't believe how I've gone grey so quick. Pastor Davies, turn around. Yep. <laughs> He's of the same vintage. <laughs> it doesn't take long, does it? <laughs> to get there, Pastor Zoof, you're doing pretty good. We won't ask how. <laughs> but it's so quick. I'm, I'm at the other end now and you start talking about retirement. That's a sad thing, isn't it? Well, it might be glad for some if you've got money in the bank to do things, but it's over. 40 years almost in Albury and, and things are coming toward that end. I'm not saying I'm going soon. I'm not saying... And, and this is on the web. I have to be careful of illustrations I use. <laughs> I'm not retiring yet down there. <laughs> But it comes and it goes. Man is like that. But God is eternal. He, he has always existed. Always will. And praise God, we as his children always will exist with him. Compared to man. A handbreadth. A handbreadth. Life is like that. Tell me, those who are over 50, can you remember back when you went to school? Before you went to school, I've got six years. You didn't think that way in state school, but when you went to high or tech school, you five or six more years of school. But now you think back, and can you remember it? It just gets smaller and smaller as you go further away from it. That's life, a handbreadth, like a smoke. Like a smoke in Psalm 102, verse 3. Like a shadow in Psalm 102 and verse 11 as the sun moves, the shadow shadow moves. And the more fun you're having for the day, or the more th you're the busier you are in the day, the quicker the sun sets. And you wished you had more time to finish the job. And here, like grass. Like grass. Which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven. And like the flower. Like the weaver's shuttle. These are scriptural truths. 
But notice at the end of that thought, Isaiah brings this thought. But the word of the Lord shall stand forever. Isn't that comforting to know? Though life comes and goes and does it quickly, the word of the Lord endureth forever. We know that the word is the Lord Jesus. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. In John 1, 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth for the word. He came unto his own, it tells us in those verses, and his own, the Jews, received him not, but as many as received him, the word. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Wonderful truth contained there in James 1, 21. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Ah, we've been born in time, but we will live for eternity. And we'll either, either live in heaven or in hell. One of those places. And depends on if you believe. Have you believed? A wonderful thought that that is true. If we know the Lord Jesus, we live with him for eternity. Turn to Hebrews 2 and verses 6 through to 8. Hebrews 2, 6 to 8. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. We've already looked at in James. Hebrews 2, verse 6 and 8, we read... One in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownedest him with glory and honour, and did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. And you can read on in the text there. Oh, what wonder, how amazing that God would deem to have anything to do with such as we. The creator, creating creating beings that he would then fellowship with. And that we will live for eternity with him. Yes, wonder how amazing. It's a blessing to know the Lord. Compared, secondly, Isaiah does, not only with man, but compared with creation. Chapter 40 of Isaiah and verse 12. And we won't be going directly through, we'll be choosing different, ver- different verses out of this portion of Scripture. <clears throat> verse 12 Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and measured out leaven? With the span, measured the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Now it's like grandma used to do. A handful of this and a handful of that and a handful of that and it all tasted good. (laughs) As God here measured out in the hollow of his hand, he made, he, he, he said this distance, a span, 
for the sun and the moon and the things like that. And yet, it, we can't grasp that, but that is our God. <laughs> Compared with creation, he measured the waters, he measured the, measured the heavens, he, he measured the dust, the dirt of the earth, the mountains and hills. He put them in a balance. When you go down the... Go down the road and your tyre's out of balance. You've been through mud and it's gone hard on the wheel and stuck at the bottom and it starts shaking like this. You've got to get your wheels balanced or tip the dirt off. Can you imagine if the world was out of balance? He's, he's put it just right where it is. Remember when the, there was a, the tsunami, I think it was, in Japan and the world got a wobble up because of the movement of all the, the waters and stuff that happened at that time. Here we have the Lord compared with creation. He's measured these things. He's balanced these things out. The dust of the earth with a measure. Weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in the back. Who, who are we? <laughs> what have we done? I've moved a few little hills with a bulldozer bed. I haven't moved a mountain. <laughs> Well, they do say, what's his name? Latorno, mover of men and mountains, as a book. Is that still around? <laughs> well, mover of men and mountains with the machines. But God, what a wonderful God we have, who has done this. He is all-powerful, he's almighty. We ought to fall down and worship the Lord. Verse 26 of the of Isaiah 40. Lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things. Who bringeth out the host by number and calleth them all by names. You think you have trouble naming one of your children. You know I can't make up my mind. <laughs> and here God is. I mean you can't number the stars but he's named them all. That's our God. <laughs> I trust that we get a new perspective of God. Compared with man and and compared with creation, as we see in these verses here, he calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. Well, Andrew in Israel, he just, number six, sixth child, and he's given three names. Sometimes he gives four names to them. I think he's going to run out one day. <laughs> it just, he's probably going to hear this, but I can talk to him like that. <laughs> If he has ten kids, that'll be six, how many names? <laughs> but God gives names. He calleth them by names. The greatness of his might, he is strong in power. Not one faileth. God compared with creation. God tells us to look up and think. Stop, wait, think, behold. Ask yourself the question, who made this? As, as man is on earth and he looks at what God has done, he has to ask that question, doesn't he? And to say it just happened by chance, happened by evolution, cannot, cannot be true. There is a designer behind all these things. Psalm, 100, I mean, Psalm 19, not 119, Psalm 19, verses 1 to 6. How great is our God compared with the creation. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. Verse 1. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. 
Their line is gone throughout all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of the chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run a race. His going forth from, have been from the end of heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hidden from the heat thereof. Compared with creation, our God is there. And we see his handiwork, what must he be like? Do you sometimes feel somewhat insignificant when you look at the vast expanses of the universe? Whether you look through a telescope or a microscope, micro or macro, whether you see it in the big or the little, see the handiwork of God compared. He's the one that made it. He's the one that thought it. He's the one that brought it into being. And so here we find in Isaiah comparing God with creation. Let's go to verse 15 and verse seven, to verse 17 of Isaiah chapter 40. <clears throat> there we read, Behold, the nations are like a drop in the bucket and accounted as a small dust of the balances. Behold, he taketh up the, the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor is beast sufficient for burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him as less than nothing and vanity. Here compared with the nations, the isles as it talks of them there, We hear of men calling other men very powerful and very influential. If you'd like to say, compare the President of the United States and saying, you know, he's very important, he's very powerful, he's got his finger on the button, uh, we could say these things. But compared with God, who is he? You can't compare God with anyone. Yes, men may hold other men up and admire and reverence them. But God is not a respecter of persons. We can say the nations are but a drop in the bucket. Small dust in the balances. The coasts and isles are nothing. Think of man's exploration. Think of the discovery of Australia, what, about 250 years ago where they they came around and looked at that and all the time they took to get here counted as nothing. Our God created these things. Get a new perspective of God compared with man, compared with creation, compared with the nations. A drop in the bucket. See what God did to a mighty king to make him look up and give him credit in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 4 and verses 19 to 27 and really throughout that chapter there, he made him go out and, and eat grass like a wild ox and his, his finger, fingernails, his hair grew, it was all matted. But he got his attention, didn't he? Finally, was it seven years? Seven years later, he, he, he looked up, acknowledged God, and God gave him his mind back. Revelation chapter 11 verse 15 to 18. It tells us there that the nations are angry when Christ takes control. 
Can you imagine them today even being angry at Christ coming and taking control? Getting upset that they haven't had time to do what they wanted to do. <laughs> hey, they've messed it up enough and they're going to make a, a, a much bigger mess than it already is in, finally. In, in, the, in the end of it all, according to the book of Revelation. But God is in control, is he not? The nations were angry when Christ comes. But compared to the nations in verses 15 and 17, very small. Like a verse 15 reads, Behold, the nations are like a drop in a bucket. I counted, the, the, um, I counted as the dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its beast sufficient for a burnt offering. The nations before him are as counted as nothing, they are counted to him as less than nothing and vanity. So compared to the nations, we see how great God is in those verses. Psalm 2 tells us about what God thinks. If we turn back to Psalm 2 and read the verses that are contained there. And some of you may have memorized it. <laughs> Why do the heathen rage and the peoples imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder, lest cast their cords away from us. He who sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the nations for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are they who put their trust in him. And so the Lord compared with the nations. Oh, they're proud. And even in the book of Revelation, you read when the Lord comes, the nations were what? Angry. <laughs> They get upset at the thought that God would intervene in what they have planned. And all they're doing is making a mess of it. I mean, you listen to the media, listen to the news nowadays. Is it getting any better? Well, not on my uh, radio down the other end of New South Wales. <laughs> it's getting bad. Things that are happening. Man is losing control. Man can't control it. What's the chap that's running around from America, Mr Carey is it? Running around trying to solve this problem, that problem, he's over here, he's over there, over there, trying to keep it, keep it all under, under wraps but it's, he's not containing it. Compared to the nations, God is great. <laughs> Compared to false gods and idols in verse 19 and 20 back in our passage in Isaiah chapter 40. We read there in verse 19, the workmen make a graven image and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold and casteth silver chains 
and he is so impoverished that he hath no oblation. Chooseth a tree that will not rot. That sounds like a Murray pine. He seeketh skillful workmen to prepare a graven image that it shall not be moved. God compared with false gods. Here, remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Turn to Isaiah 44, just over a little, and verses 9 to 20. Making a carved image in verse 9. All of them vanity. The de- delectable things are, shall not profit. And they are their own witnesses. They see not nor know that they may be ashamed. Who hath formed a god or melted a cast image. That image that is profitable for nothing. Behold all his fellows shall be ashamed and the workmen They are men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up that they shall fear and they shall be ashamed together. The smith with the tongs both worketh in the coals and fashioneth with hammers and worketh it with the strength of his arms. Yea, he he is hungry. His strength faileth. He drinketh no water. He is faint. The carpenter stretcheth out his rule and marketh it out with a line. He fitteth it with planes. He marketh it out with compass and maketh it after the figure of a man and according to the beauty of a man, that it may remain in the house. He heweth him down cedars, and taketh cypresses, and the oak, which he strengtheneth for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash, and the rain doth nourish it. Then shall it be for a man to burn. He will take of it, warm himself. Yea, he kindleth it, he breaketh bread. Yea, he maketh a god, and worshippeth it. He maketh it a carved image, and falleth down to it. He burned part of it in the fire, with part of it he eateth flesh, he roasteth roast, he is satisfied. Yea, he warmeth himself and saith, Ah, I am warm, I have seen the fire, and the residue of it he maketh a god, even his carved image. He falleth down to it and worshippeth it and prayeth to it and saith, Deliver me, for thou art my God. And you say, How ridiculous. And that's what it is. And today men have their gods. <laughs> Compared to false gods and idols, God is over all. They are nothing. And as it's put here that we make it and then we fall down and worship and you say, how foolish. But what about ourselves? Do we do that at times? We put something together, we make it and oh how great it is and we get other people to congratulate us on what we've done. You look at what man's doing now and sending the the spaceships out there and uh, what was the last one that they went they put something into orbit around the the one that's got radiation and everything happening so bad that they have to shut it down at certain times when it goes through part of it is it jupiter which one they're going around now and taking pictures of and i thought you know it's pretty smart and it was only a few seconds out when it got there <laughs> incredible what man has done but can Compared to who God is, we're nothing. Really, we're nothing. But he has made us something in Christ Jesus, has he not? And so God compared to earth's idols, to man's idols. Compared, fifthly, to earth's inhabitants. Let's go back to Isaiah 40. 
and verse 21. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he who sitteth upon the circle of the earth. The inhabitants thereof are like grasshoppers, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain, and spreadeth them out like a tent to dwell in, who bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stocks shall not take root in the earth, and he shall... Also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away like the stubble. God compared to earth's inhabitants. <laughs> what point is God trying to get across to us there in verse 21? Doesn't everybody know this? Isn't it common knowledge? What's going on? What's up? Our world is placed is saying there is no God. You notice on, in the media these days, they, they, they don't want to admit, they don't talk about it. They won't have Christians putting their point of view across. They try to shut them off. They say God doesn't exist. And here we find, as Isaiah compares God with earth's inhabitants, what are we? Praise God he has made us in his image and that he's given his son to die for us that we might have life eternal. What do we look like to God? Well, verse 22 tells us, doesn't it? It is he who sitteth upon the circle of the earth. The inhabitants thereof are like grasshoppers. Now, we've had a slight plague of grasshoppers in Aubrey, but not like out in the, in the country more. And uh, what do you do when it's a plague of grasshoppers? Do you try to dodge them when you're running down, driving down the road with the car? No, you just go straight over the top of them. <laughs> Counted as grasshoppers. I know when we used to own the campsite at Murrindindi, the, the churches down there, and, and they had those, those little meat ants that used to be there, and they used to quite, quite, a, quite a big nest over the years. And when I was there with a the bulldozer, you know what a boy does with a bulldozer, don't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> I thought, well... You know, we rid of this one, and they, they mound it as they dig it from underneath. They mound it. You say, cruel, pastor. Well, I wasn't a pastor then, see. <laughs> <laughs> and you just come in and cut it straight off, and there's ants and eggs and things going over. No, for the safety of the kids. Let's say that. <laughs> but, <clears throat> and, and they're going everywhere. What's the God looking down? And the inhabitants are like grasshoppers, running here, running there, doing this, doing that, not thinking of their creator, not spending any time in devoting themselves to him. Forgot that he is. They deny that he is. And God just, why are you doing this? Why won't you believe on me? And this is how God compared to mankind, to the inhabitants of the earth. Now, I'm not saying we are just grasshoppers. <laughs> he has made us in his image. Remember that. And we are going to live for eternity. Don't worry about your pussycat. He won't be there. Your pet dog, don't worry. <laughs> but we will be, and we will be with God for eternity. 
And he is concerned for us. But he's likening the people of this planet to grasshoppers, to ants, going hither and thither and, and forgetting all about God. And we should be thinking about God. We should be committing ourselves and dedicating ourselves to God. And here we have God compared with the inhabitants of the world. What do we look like to God? Are we one that bows before him? Do we spend our time and our days here thinking about him, meditated upon him, doing his work, and the younger you do that, the better for life it will be. He stretches out the heavens. Compared with man, what have we done? He spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Praise God for who he is. One day soon, he will bring the nations to heal, won't he? What will they do when he does that? Revelation tells us. They'll get mad. They will try to stop him from doing it. Can you see them with all their modern methods and weapons turning them toward God when the Lord Jesus comes and trying to stop him from returning? When they're all gathered there at Armageddon? And what does the Lord have to do? Does he have to get his guns out? Speak a word. Speak a word. And they'll be gone. And we'll be there too. Following, I think. Put your gun back in this holster. We won't have guns. <laughs> what a wonderful God we have. As we look in Isaiah 40 and compare him with different things. Compared with man. Compared with creation. Compared with the nations. Compared with false gods and idols. Compared with earth's inhabitants. He is concerned for us. In his concern for individuals. He died for us. He gave his son that we might have life. One day he will bring these nations to heal that are rebelling against him. And don't you see it in our society today more and more? Trying to dethrone God and not even acknowledge that he exists. Last of all, verse 11. <clears throat> verse 11 of Isaiah 40. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. He shall, he shall gently lead those that are with young. <laughs> Verse 13. Who hath directed his spirit, the spirit of the Lord, or being his counsellor, hath taught him? With whom took he counsel? Who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Nobody, <laughs> the answer is. Where did God receive all this power and knowledge and judgment? And nobody gave it to him. He always has had that. He has always existed. In verse 18, who or what can you compare to God? To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? In verse 25, to whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Who can we liken or equal God with? No one. What, we, what he's saying, Isaiah is saying, stop now and consider, ponder the thought. And in verse 28 we read, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? 
that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. To those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount, mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They are the ones that trust in the Lord. Consider how great our God is, how great a shepherd he is, how he tends and looks after and considers the people of his pasture, of which we are one if we have believed on the Lord Jesus. God is interested in you. God is for us. God does not want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance, does he not? Consider how great our God is. What can you compare him to? There is nothing, is there? There I, in the midst of verse 31, it says, They shall mount up with wings like eagles. I was one day working at Mombok down south in Victoria and there was an eagle's nest in a great big old white gum tree. I mean, it was hundreds of feet tall and I thought, ah, he's sitting up in his nest right on the top of the, in top of the tree. <clears throat> I wonder what he'll do. So I went up to it with the bulldozer and tree pusher and put it on. I wasn't going to push the tree over, you know. I pushed a lot of trees over, but forgive me for that if you're agreeing. But went up and gave it a shake. And the old eagle, he didn't just fly off. He stood up on the side of the nest. He flossed his feathers up. And I wasn't about to get out of under the canopy because if he come down, he, he could do me some damage. But <clears throat> mount up with wings like eagles. Mount up. I pray that we would trust in the Lord and mount up with wings like eagles. Teach us to number our days, Lord. Seventy years, 3,640 3, weeks, 25,480 days if we, if, if we live the 70. And I've written down here 611,520 hours. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to know the Lord. As a local TV station phoned me up and said, we can't get anyone to do something about Christmas. And said, could you, get, could you do something about Christmas? And I said, yes. They said, meet you in the church in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> right. <clears throat> I was in my dirty old clothes about to mow the lawn. and got changed and went up there. What am, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to say? What about Christmas? And just went back. That, you, you can't say, well, in the Bible and open your Bible. You, you, they, they're standing right in front of you with a camera in your face and, they're, and they're, they're talking to you, asking you questions. And I just went back to Genesis and, and went all the way through is how God loves people. God wants to communicate with people. He did that back in the Garden of Eden. 
And he walked with them and talked with them. Then they sinned. Then he come looking for them. I mean, he knew where they were. He just said, where are they? To draw them out. He came, he came, and he came again. He came at the flood. He came at the Tower of Babel. He came to the Jews, did he not? He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. He came and presented himself as the eternal son of God, and they rejected him. He's going to come again one day and receive us unto himself. What a great God he is. He deigns to call me his beloved. They were standing there with their mouth open because they couldn't stop. They said, we'll do a practice run. I know when the TV do that, that means that's it. That's the run. <laughs> it's not going to a practice. And they get you so you're not nervous in speaking in front of them. And so that's what they did then. And they said, well, that was good enough. And after about 15 minutes, they'd, they'd had their, got their Christmas message. What they wanted out of me anyway. What about you entrusting the Lord? We need a new perspective of God. We need to see the Lord as Isaiah saw him. High and lifted up. And in chapter 6 of Isaiah, we need this new perspective of God. We need to see him as he is. The all-loving one. The, all, the one who has all power and controls all things. Have you trusted him? Do you acknowledge him? Do you serve him? Read through the chapters in Isaiah as I was looking and preparing for the messages of this week. There's more messages than you can poke a stick at, as it were, in the book of Isaiah itself. And talking to Brother Zuf, he's, he's earlier in the in the Bible, looking at different things about the Lord Jesus. But wonderful messages there. Visions and, and scenes of the Lord himself. I trust that we have submitted ourselves to him and that he is controlling our lives and that we, like Isaiah, will fall before him and say what a wonderful, a great and a loving God he is. What can we liken him to? Who shall be his equal, saith the, the Holy One? In verse 25 of Isaiah 40. No one. Stop, consider and listen. Hear him speak. Listen to his word. Obey him when he asks us to do things through his word, through his servants. Trust in him at all times. He's going to come one day and that may be very soon. And we each one will have to give an answer to him for what we have done with our lives. I'm grey-headed going white. Before I had a heart operation, I'd seen other people that had had it, and I thought, yep, going white real quick next year. <laughs> and uh, it happens without having a heart operation, doesn't it? I won't look at anyone. <laughs> but our days go so quickly. What are we doing with the Lord? Hey, I know people that are millionaires when they... Re when they and you, you probably know them too. 
They've got through life and they've worked and laboured. Are they satisfied? Not at all. That's right. Not at all. If you know the one that will be satisfied is the one that sought the Lord, got a new perspective of God like Isaiah did, ministered for him, and the end of life, you can look back and say, praise the Lord for the way he led me through life. Praise the Lord for the opportunities he gave me. Praise the Lord that he ministered through me in some small way to other people. I remember as a, as a teenager having a desire to serve the Lord. The Lord allowed opportunity for me to start a business at 17 years old. So I look at a 17-year-old today and I think, I was only that old working at a construction site 24 hours a day with a machine. The Lord allowed all this to transpire so quickly in such a brief time that by 23, when we got married, the house was paid for and everything happened like that. But I sought the Lord. I know people in my position at that time who have gone on in their business and what they're like now. But I thought, what's the sense in having all that stuff that controls you and you worry about when you can just serve the Lord and go into his presence for eternity? And I encourage you, and, and get a new vision of the Lord from the book of Isaiah. He is worth more than worth serving. And the payment at the end will be great. It's not that we, we labour for payment. But he will reward those servants that trust him. Isaiah is enjoying it now and I can guarantee you at the end of life, when you look back, if you've served the Lord, you'll say it was worth it all. And it's good to see the servants of the Lord here today, each of you, serving the Lord in whatever capacity. We could labour to be rich, but what does the Bible say? Labour not to be rich. Labour to minister to him, because one day we'll, we'll face him and we'll give an answer to him for all that we've done with all the opportunities.